Well, today we're getting back into our book of 1 Peter. Uh, we took a little bit of a break last week with uh, Mike doing a little bit from the book of John. Uh, but we're getting back in it today, and my goal for today is finish up chapter 1, so we can start chapter 2 next week. Um, but in case you missed the last couple of messages, let me just give you a quick recap. In this letter, Peter is writing to Christians who are going through some pretty tough times. Uh, at that time and in that part of the world, uh, being a Christian was not really a, a popular thing. There were social consequences, if not physical consequences, for pledging allegiance to King Jesus. And we don't know exactly what sort of trials exactly uh, that these Christians were going through, uh, but we do know that not long, writing, or not long after writing this letter, uh, Peter himself is martyred for his faith. And so it's not hard to imagine some of the struggles and some of the difficulties that these Christians may have been facing at this time. And so Peter's writing this letter with two purposes in mind. First of all, he writes to encourage these Christians as they're experiencing these uh, difficulties and hardships. He writes to encourage them with the, the hope and the joy they have in Jesus. And, and Peter talks quite often about this priceless inheritance that they have to look forward to, uh, about the, the joy that they have um, the, about the fact that they're dearly loved by God, chosen by him to, to be in his presence forever. And so that's how Peter starts off this letter, with that encouragement. But his second purpose for this letter is to give them instruction as to how they are to live uh, before they receive their salvation in full. Uh, Peter mentions often how they are exiles and foreigners and uh, uh, living as strangers, uh, temporary residents. And perhaps some of Peter's original audience were actually literally exiled from their homeland uh, because of the persecution that they were facing. But I think uh, certainly every Christian, both then and now, no matter where we are in the world, uh, we understand that this world is not our home. And as such, we are all exiles and foreigners. You know, Jesus himself even said in John chapter 17 that even though we are in this world, we are not of this world. So the question is, how then do we live as uh, exiles or foreigners, or even as some translations put it, as aliens in this world? You know, we know that God has us here for a purpose, so how does he want us to live? Well, this is Peter's second purpose in writing this letter, uh, to answer that question. In fact, that makes up the bulk of this letter. And we started into it a little bit last week, or two weeks ago, I should say, uh, as Peter urged us to be holy as God is holy. You know, since we've been adopted into God's family, we need to live like his children, right? We need to live like him, like father, like son. And that means that we need to be holy in everything we do, not slipping back into our old ways of, of living to satisfy our own desires, but rather to living to please God. And Peter reminds us that God paid an incredible price to, to free us from our sin. So how could we despise that great sacrifice and continue to live as slaves to sin? No, we must live in reverent fear of God, uh, being holy as he is holy. So that was two weeks ago. Uh, and this week, Peter's going to continue to build on that same idea um, a little bit with that. Uh, because God has paid such a great price for us, because God has such a wonderful future in store for us, because God loves us and he's adopted us in, into his family, here's how we should live. And so we're going to pick it up in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 today. But first, let's pause and we'll pray and ask God to, to speak to us through his word this morning. 
Dear God, we thank you so much again for this opportunity to gather and to open up your word and to look at uh, these things that you've recorded for us, uh, even though they were written specifically to these Christians, uh, because they are your word, they are uh, eternal, and they have value for us today. So I pray that as we look at them, uh, that we would be encouraged, we'd be spurred on, uh, and we'd uh, be determined to be, grow more like you in our relationship. Uh, so we, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, begins like this. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sin when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart, for you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Now, there's a lot of stuff in there that we could uh, possibly talk about, but there's one clear instruction in there uh, that Peter gives to his readers, and that's what I want us to focus on today. Uh, Peter begins this final section of chapter 1 by urging these Christians to love each other deeply as brothers and sisters. Verse 22 says, You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. You know, and this should almost go without saying. You know, Peter has already told them to be holy as God is holy and to live as his obedient children and to live in reverent fear of the Lord. Following any one of those three commands would naturally lead us to love one another. You know, if we are being holy like God is being holy, you know, if we're living like his obedient children, then it just stands to reason that we're going to love each other because God is love. Right? If we're copying God's behavior, we will love each other because that's exactly what God does. Love is, is the center of who God is. In fact, the Apostle John tells us that if we don't love each other, then we don't even know God. Uh, it says in uh, John, or 1 John 4, 7, John writes, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. In other words, loving others is the natural result of us being in a relationship with God. The more we know him, the more we understand and experience his love, the more we're going to be inclined to, to love others just like he does. In fact, Jesus said that our love for one another will actually prove to the world that we are his disciples. In John 13, 34, Jesus says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And so here again, Jesus reminds us that, that loving others is just the natural result of us being in a relationship with him. We can't truly be followers of Jesus if we don't love each other. That's, that's just part of the package. And that's kind of what Peter is saying in our passage today. He writes, through Christ, you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. You'll notice the so now 
in this verse. You know, because we've come to trust in Jesus and because we were cleansed from our sin, so now we must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. There's a, a cause and effect here. The cause is that God has adopted us into his family. So now the effect is that we must love each other as brothers and sisters. You know, earlier in this letter, Peter instructs us to live as God's obedient children. And now in this section, he reminds us that as God's children, well, then we are all brothers and sisters. And therefore, we must love each other like brothers and sisters. And keep in mind who Peter is writing to at this time, right? He's writing to Christians who've been rejected by the world, right? They're, they're outcasts, they're misfits. You know, many of them may have even been rejected by their own families. And we see that sort of thing happening even today in our world. I read an article just uh, two weeks ago about a young man in Vietnam uh, named Chow. And Chow became a Christian when he was about 20 years old. Uh, but when he did, his uncle and his brother, they, they actually, they bound him up and they beat him for about 12 hours straight and telling him, you know, you have to return to your old faith. And if you don't, we're just going to keep beating you until you die. And the article went on to talk about how Chow managed to uh, escape, but he knows that if he ever returns to his village, he will likely be killed at the hands of his very own family. You know, being adopted into God's family may very well mean the rejection from your own family. And, uh, and perhaps that's part of the reason why Peter tells us to love each other as brothers and sisters. You know, maybe you have been rejected by your biological family. Well, now you're part of another family, God's family. You have new brothers and sisters. And God has given us the responsibility to love each other like family. Peter says to love each other deeply and to show sincere love to each other. Right? Don't just pretend to love each other. Actually love each other. And notice that Peter says that we need to show sincere love to each other. We can't just say we love each other. We have to act on that love. Because love isn't, you know, well wishes and, and happy thoughts. Love is actually taking action for the good of the other person. Uh, you can say, I love you a million times a day. But if you never act on that love, you never do anything for the good of that other person, no, that's not love at all. That's why Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? God didn't just say, I love you. He actually demonstrated it. He acted on his love for us. His love for us compelled him to, to die in our place so that we could have life. God demonstrates his love for us. And we're to love each other the way that God loves us. In fact, if you go back to that same passage that we read in, in 1 John, where it talks about how, you know, if we don't even know, or if we don't love each other, we don't even know God. Uh, John continues in there. He says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. All right, and this is kind of cool. John is saying that, God's love is expressed to others through us, right? God shows his love for you through my actions. Uh, one of the most evident ways that God shows his care and his concern for people is through the care and concern shown by God's family. In other words, when it comes to loving people, we really are the hands and the feet of God. You know, when a, a kid a kid's club falls and scrapes their knee and I, I put a Band-Aid on it, you know, I'm giving them that Band-Aid uh, on behalf of God, really, right? It's like, here, God wanted me to give you this, that kind of an idea. Or when I come up and, and give you a hug because you're going through hard times, you know, I'm giving you that hug on God's behalf, 
right? I am expressing God's love to you through my actions. But of course, the reverse is true as well. You know, if I neglect to give you that hug when you're feeling down, now I'm neglecting to give you that hug on God's behalf. I've just, I've just robbed you of some of the love that God wanted to show you through me. Now, if I, I neglect to put that bandaid on that little scraped knee, I'm, I'm robbing that kid of the love that God wants to show them through me. So here's a question for you. If your actions were the only thing that showed people how much God loved them, how loved would they feel? You know, if they judged the love of God by how much love you showed them, what kind of a God would they imagine? And I'm not even talking about unbelievers at this point. That's a, that's a whole other conversation. But I'm talking just about your brothers and sisters in Christ. How much love do you actually demonstrate for them? Now, it's easy to say that we, we love each other, right? We're just one big loving church family, right? But are we? Really? I mean, it's easy to say we love each other, but it's a lot harder to you know, give up your Saturday afternoon to go help someone thaw out a frozen sewer pipe. It's, it's a lot harder to, to actually take the time out of your busy schedule to go in and, and visit somebody when they're in the hospital. It's a lot more difficult to, to sponsor a fellow Christian refugee from another country because he's been persecuted for his faith. But yet Peter says, you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. And he says we're to do this, first of all, because of the love that God has shown us. He says in verse 22, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. God demonstrated his love for you, so now it's your turn to do likewise. But then he continues by saying, love each other deeply with all your heart for or, or because you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. One of the points that Peter is making here is that we've been born into this new family, and this will be our family forever. Right? God has given us life through his word, which is the gospel, and he has permanently adopted us as his children. That means that the people that you are sitting with here today, these are your brothers and sisters, not just for the next few years, but forever, right? <laughs> Let me ask you this. What kind of a relationship do you want to have with the people that will be with you for eternity, right? Do you want to spend eternity with someone that you're holding a grudge against? Do you want to spend eternity with someone that you don't really get along with? No way. That would be terrible, right? And so Peter says, don't leave your relationships in that state if that's where they're at. You know, if we're going to be brothers and sisters for eternity, we better learn to love these people now. You know, uh, this command to love one another is one of the clearest instructions for us throughout the scriptures. Time and time again, we're told to love each other. And we're even given all kinds of specific ways of how to do that. Let me give you a few examples. I'll start with Ephesians 5.32. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. 
Always be eager to practice hospitality. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Encourage each other and build each other up. Encourage those who are timid. Take care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Are you picking up on a theme here? Are you catching this? This is how we are to treat every single brother and sister in Christ. You know, I wonder as we read through that list of scriptures, you know, do those verses describe you and I and the relationships that we have with the people sitting here today? Are you living in peace with everyone? Do you make allowance for their faults and their failures and their shortcomings? Do you take delight in honoring that person that sometimes rubs you the wrong way? Do you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ? When God's people are in need, these people, do you help them? When you've done wrong, and we all do, are you willing to confess your sins to each other? Do you pray for each other? You know, we're a, a pretty small group, all things considered. We're not some mega church with thousands of members. We, we kind of know everybody by name here. So here's my question. Do the people in this room know that you love them? Do you demonstrate your love for them in, in these ways or, or, or all of these ways? Go ahead and, and just take a look around the room for a moment. Let's see the heads turn, look at each other for a second. These are your brothers and sisters, and you are stuck with them for eternity, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and there's the chuckling. Do you love these people? Do you demonstrate your love for these people? And not just your, your favorite friends. I know we all have you know, our little groups. But do we love everybody? God's commanded us to show sincere love to one another as brothers and sisters, to love each other deeply with all our heart. And I know that's not always easy. We are all very different people. We've got different backgrounds. We think in different ways. And to top it all off, we're all prone to sin. So I, I know there will be conflict. There will be times when we hurt each other and when we let each other down. But at the end of the day, we are and will continue to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and so I would urge you, along with Peter, to show sincere love for each other and to love each other deeply with all your heart. You know, make it a point to, to demonstrate that love for these people sitting with you today. You know, have a, have a family over for dinner. Share with someone just how much you appreciate them. Uh, have a conversation with someone maybe you don't know so well yet. If somebody's wronged you or if you've wronged them, make sure you make things right. You know, be patient with the ones that tend to rub you the wrong way. In fact, figure out ways to, to honor them and, and to delight in honoring them. Encourage them and build them up. Pray for each other. And I, don't, I know we don't have a, a church director or anything like that, but you know who you are. Make a list and pray for these people each day. You know, we really do have a, a pretty awesome church family, and, and it is a privilege to be part of this group as well as being part of God's global church family. And so I would just encourage you, uh, again, to, to show sincere love for each other, love each other deeply with all your heart. So with those thoughts, I'm going to have the music team come up. And we're going to sing one last song before we dismiss for today.